This is Redemption Live. No, it's not. Yes. It's Redemption. Inside oh, Redemption. This is Redemption Inside Redemption. And it's not live. It's live recorded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me let me start over. This is Inside Redemption with the new host <laughs> for just today, Aaron Daly. Aaron Daly, everybody. Wow. Aaron Daly. Oh, wow. My goodness. wow. What has happened? I feel like what I need to do is start with a few stand up comedy uh, sayings, but I'm not going to. I'm going to jump straight to our guest who usually hosts this podcast, the regular host on an ongoing basis, multiple episodes. You are looking forward to him. Now he's in the hot seat. That's me, baby. This is Luke Simmons. Can we get a. There it is. Luke Simmons, you, Luke Simmons. It is great to be here on my podcast. I'm glad. It's actually not my podcast. That you agreed to this. Yeah, I think because it'll be fun. when I came out to be interviewed by you, mm-hmm. I said, "When are you getting interviewed for this?" Because there's yeah, all that. kinds of stories within Redemption. You're diligently telling everybody's stories. Your story needs to be told. Well, thanks. I think you have a great story, by the way. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm going to give you an intro. Now, here's <laughs> okay. the thing about intros in in my tradition, when you intro somebody, it sounds bigger than it actually is. Okay. In Redemption, we try to make it less than it actually is. Okay. Right? We make the person sound worse than they are. I'm going to sound. I'm going to make you sound better than okay. you actually. Hey, are. I, I'm in for this. Okay. So here's here's and this may be my gift of encouragement, whatever it is. Luke Simmons was inserted into my life in a very key time. When I was going through a massive change theologically and uh, philosophically church-wise, you were brought into my life and became a friend quickly. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thankful that God sent you into my life. Thanks. Um, you actually helped do my wife and I's assessment in uh, Acts 29. That's right. And yeah, for those that don't know, an assessment yeah. is a, a couple who's planting a church or joining a network, maybe because you yes. guys had already planted. Yeah, but goes through an assessment process where they try to evaluate how it, is this couple ready to do it? Are they ready to lead? Yes, and I got to be part of that assessment team, which is funny now because I was about ten seconds ahead of you. <laughs> That's true, but <laughs> it was it was key because then after that, you're very intentional, and I've seen this over and over again in your life. After that, you will in key times reach out in times of my life and bring uh, not only encouragement, but real practical help. Like I remember you coming to the church and in one email in a kind way, helping us kind of put some things together. That was extremely helpful. And now as we've worked together, I think it's going on 10 years or more. um, That that gift continues to come Mm. into our lives and continues to be put in front of us that you're not only, um, not only do you see people where they're at, you're able to kind of give real tangible things to help people out. And I think it's a gift of the spirit, but I'm thankful that you keep on using that to serve the church, just your gift wise. So there's stuff behind that, that I'm sure gets to why you function that way and how you've gotten that. But I've really appreciated not just your friendship and your leadership, but your intentionality to serve people with your gifts. So Luke, thank you. Thank you very much. So first question is, you got to get us up to speed on how you came to know Jesus, your life in Christ. Give yeah. us that background story. 
Yeah, so I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and I'm an only child. Both my parents were school teachers, um, which is really, if you stop and think about it, just kind of a recipe for I had no freedom to get away with anything because <laughs> I was the only kid, and every time I was on break, they were on break, right? True. I got home at 3.30, they got home at 4, right? There was not much time to like get much into trouble. And I grew up hearing lots of stories about the kids in their classes and especially the bad stories. You know, there's actually names that I was never allowed to name my children because of <laughs> certain uh, experiences my parents had had. Can you give any of those names? Uh, I'd rather okay. not. Okay. Um, Aaron's not one of them. Okay. Uh, okay. Good, just in case good, you're good. wondering. I was wondering. So um, I, I, I say all that to say I grew up in a very kind of moral home. Yeah. Um, my mom had grown up with kind of a long lineage of uh, Presbyterian Christianity. My dad had grown up, actually, his dad, his mom grew up United Methodist, kind of a very typical um, kind of Midwest, Great Depression era United Methodism. Her, his, uh, my dad's dad was a Christian scientist. Oh, really? And he wow. was a very abusive man. Um, I haven't heard a lot of great things about him over the course of my life. Um, my dad's tried to, at different points, kind of balance the picture a little bit, but it was a pretty bad picture. So yeah. uh, my mom kind of came from this richer faith tradition. Um, my dad, not as much. I don't know that Christ was particularly central to their lives as they were getting married, and mm -hmm. um, but there was some faith background. And so uh, I, I remember from an early age going to church, I was baptized in the Presbyterian church, um, and had lots of times as a kid, you know, going to mom's day out or going to vacation Bible school type stuff and lots of moments of, you know, praying the sinner's prayer kind of a thing. I remember when I was, I think, seven, Billy Graham came through Denver wow. um, and he did one of his crusades at Mile High Stadium. And so we went uh, to that. And I remember at the end, Billy Graham mm -hmm. invited, if you want to come down onto the field. Yeah. And he had me at onto the field. Because I was a huge Denver Broncos fan. And so I went down on that field and I asked John Elway into my heart. <laughs> and um, I've never been the same. Never anyway, been the same. Um, so I had just lots of those experiences of kind of praying the sinner's prayer, hearing the gospel. Um, but it wasn't, I don't know, it didn't really click for me, yeah. I don't think. It's interesting just even with our family. We went to church pretty consistently, but we weren't... Um, we we're kind of on the periphery of the church. Gotcha. Like, I don't remember ever, you know, getting in the car. Hey, where are we going? Oh, we're going to these friends from church. You know, we're going over to their house. Like, that wasn't kind of a part of our thing very much. Um, so I thought of myself as a Christian. I'd asked Jesus into my heart a bunch of times. We mm -hmm. went to church. Um, and that was kind of that. And as I, as I uh, grew, um, sports really was kind of the big deal in my life. And so I got into high school, and there was a Fellowship of Christian Athletes group at my high school. And that group really kind of experienced my freshman year a bit of a revival. Wow. That again, I was kind of on the periphery of. I was sort of watching it happen. I don't think I actually was all that caught up in it. But the high school I went to, Cherry Creek High School in Denver, um, at the time, that, so my freshman year, and I wasn't on any of these teams, but it was like the big school 5A won football, basketball, and baseball state championship. Wow. And a bunch of those athletes that were on those three teams were part of the FCA. And um, a kid that had used to gone to the school just kind of had a random thing where he dropped dead, like literally just woke up. Or one morning he didn't wake up. Oh, my goodness. And um, God used that suffering and that pain to kind of create this outpouring of the spirit. Um, and Tyler Johnson, who's part of the leadership yep. of Redemption, uh, was part of that. He was a few years older than me. 
And so I kind of got a little bit involved with that group. Um, we ended up having a, a Bible study at one of the guy's houses that I would kind of describe as like ignorance on fire. <laughs> you know, we would open up to a, I remember we would open up and go, okay, let's look up all the verses that say grace. Right. We would like read them. And, and I remember even in those days, and some of you that know Tyler will laugh at this, but you know, there were times when Tyler would talk and at the end you, you just be, you know, it wasn't like a sermon. He was just talking yeah. from the heart, right. Or whatever we're talking about. And at the end of him talking, you'd go, man, that was awesome. Right. I have no idea what he said, but that was <laughs> awesome. Right. <laughs> and so he continues with yeah, this Yeah, gift. I mean, he, he, he's, he's grown a lot. Yes. Um, but so I was kind of around the edges of that. And I remember actually um, all the guys that were kind of in that Bible study were a couple years ahead of me. And so as I finished my sophomore year, these guys were graduating and heading to college. One of the, one of my friends, Josh, um, he specifically said, Hey Luke, I think you should keep this Bible study going. Mm. And I thought, no way I can't do that. I think there was just something I thought of myself as a Christian, but I think there was still something in me that was like, I'm not that kind of a Christian. Yeah. I'm not a lead a Bible study kind of person, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't think that was something that I wanted to do. And so my junior year started, those guys all went to college. I didn't start the Bible study. Um, and really was kind of going like, what am I going to do now faith wise? I don't know how much I was really even thinking about it, but most of this group I really found affinity with had kind of left and gone to college. Right. So, um, one day I'm out mowing my grass and I, I saw this guy and I'd seen him for probably a month or so jogging around our neighborhood, African-American guy who was really built. He would, and he'd usually run without his shirt on and just was really, you know, well-defined, looked like an athlete. And I'm a high school athlete, right? right? So I, you know, not only am I in a mostly white neighborhood and so that guy stands out, but also like he looks like an athlete, so he stands out. And so I was just super curious about him. And one day I'm out mowing my grass and he kind of finishes up a run and he walks up and he introduces himself and he says, hey, my name's JR. And we just start talking well, in that conversation, he ends up actually inviting me to go to church with him. Wow. And um, he had just, I found out in that conversation, he had just finished playing football at University of Colorado, and I'd grown up a huge CU fan. Right. He was a defensive back. Was kind of doing some training and trying to stay in shape. He thought maybe he wanted his pro career to continue, you know, whatever. Um, but he was part of a church plant hmm. that uh, met in this little kind of park clubhouse in denver and so you know what i found out later is when you're part of a church plant you invite people because there's right. no way to get someone yeah. to come to church yeah, and yeah. so i thought at the time i thought man this is super weird like i just met this dude and he's inviting me to church how weird is that but i said yes because i thought well i'm a christian i'll go to the thing with them sure and so i went to church with him a couple times um but the main thing was after not very long he he kind of said hey what would you think about getting together and reading through the gospel of john and I said, sure, yeah, great. Like, I've done Bible studies before, right? right? So we didn't have a curriculum or anything. We just would open it up, kind of read a chapter and talk about it. And um, so we were doing that about once a week. He'd come to my house or I'd go down to his house. We were a couple of houses away, you know. And I remember this one night we got to John 6. And in John 6 is the place where Jesus is saying all this really cryptic, weird stuff about eat my flesh and drink my blood mm. and mm. Um, even now people struggle to go, what's he talking about? Right. Right. And right. in the time it was even more confusing. And so it, it says there toward the end of the chapter that a bunch of people who'd been following him say, this is a hard teaching. Wow. Who can accept this? And they all turn away. And, uh, 
And it was at that time that JR basically turned to me and said, Hey, Luke, you know, I've been getting to know you and you're a pretty good kid. Like I think your friends, parents like you and stuff like that. But I, but I also kind of sense that like there's another part of you that's like not really all that committed to the Lord, which was definitely true. I mean, I was very much kind of outwardly moral, but lots of um, private and secret sin. And he just kind of said, you know, I think you'd be one of these people that would turn away. Um, Which I look back now. I mean, now here I am as a 42 year old. And I think this, that guy was 22 or 23. Yeah. What 22 or 23 year old has the courage, what anyone has the courage to say that to someone, Hey, I think you'd be one of the people that would walk away, let alone a 22 or 23 year old. Um, and so he said that to me and I, and I was mad, right? I was like thinking, how dare you? I felt judged, you know, but he basically said like, I kind of think you're following Jesus when it's convenient. It makes you look like a good guy. It's kind of part of your good guy thing. But I just wonder if you'd actually be sold out to him no matter what. Wow, man. And so I was mad, but, but I think a lot of why I was mad is he was right, Hmm. you know, and through that conversation, the spirit really began to convict me of of how right he was. And so it was over the next few weeks, and I don't know the exact date. This was somewhere in the fall of my junior year of high school. He, uh, the Lord just kept kind of working on me. And I sort of realized like, yeah, he's right. Wow. Following Jesus has been kind of like a, if I get around to it thing and I want to be all in. And so somewhere in there, I remember getting down on my knees and the phrase in my head was sold out. I just want to be sold out. I want to be all in. Um, and at the time, I didn't have any thought that that would mean leadership sure. or that that would mean pastoring or anything like that. Sure. In fact, at some point in a few months after that, one of my aunts um, who knew that on her, on that side of the family, there was kind of a long line of Scottish Presbyterian ministers asked me, well, do you think you'd be a minister? And I was like, what? Like, yeah. it feels like, <laughs> you know, no, why would I be a minister? That's the weirdest thing. Like, it never crossed my mind. Um, I just knew I wanted to serve the Lord and love the Lord. And so that really was, I think, when I was born again. I, like, all these times of praying, actually, I was born again, I think, that junior year of high school. So I was 17 years old. And um, what's wild about that story, just to kind of close the loop on it, is, um, you know, we went a couple weeks where we weren't getting together because I was kind of mad at yeah, still. Yeah. And then at some point, I said, hey big news i feel like i've really actually surrendered to the lord and he said well i got big news which is that my dad is really sick in st louis and i need to go take care of him oh wow and uh so actually you know later on this week i'm moving i'm leaving he was a single guy i lived in you know this house with other single guys and that was it and that was the last time i've seen him that was the last time i heard of him and this was before cell phones this was before social media this was before that's crazy. that stuff i've tried to find him you know but he had a you know, his last name's pretty common and I think JR was an abbreviation of something and you know, and I didn't know him that well. So it's kind of one of those things where I go, Well, you know, I from just my life standpoint, I mean, I think in anything that's happening, God's doing ten thousand things. But for my life, it was almost like the Lord said, All right, JR, assignment done. That's I'm gonna move you into a new assignment. And um, just in the grace of God, what's happened is ever since then, God has just kind of kept putting new JRs in my life. Um, there's a thing that hangs in my office. It's a drawing that my um, my daughter my daughter did for my birthday, and my wife asked her to do it. And it's this uh, I get emotional. It's this a uh, turtle on a fence post. 
and it's this beautiful desert scene. But when you kind of look closely, you go, oh, there's a turtle on a fence post. And what you're supposed to think when you see a turtle on a fence post is that didn't get there by itself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the um, the whole story of my following Jesus is him putting me on a fence post with Jr. Chris Porter in college with Jim Duncan moving out to Arizona and being part of East Valley Bible Church and Jim Harper and Chris Mueller and Tom Schrader and Tim Mon and Neil Pitchell and and then you know that just circle of people getting bigger um, throughout my life and so I you know to whatever degree you feel like hey you're always kind of there trying to help other guys I feel like well that's because that's what the Lord has done for me yeah um, yeah and so yeah that's, that's a long incredible. answer to your question but no, it, but it's incredible. a pretty uh, it's a story I'm fond of, and um, it was really fun this past year to get to actually preach through John 6 for the first time. I had never preached that since coming to faith and being able to kind of tell that story was was kind of a sweet thing. You know, the emotion that you show when you talk about your life in Christ and the way that your sensitivity towards the Spirit and His work and bringing you and grace capturing you is one of those areas that I think is is a rare mix for people. You know, there's a a sense of like, I'm going to get stuff done practical. You have that side. I know what, you know, to do. There's also a depth of feel that you have that you're able to kind of marry together and to hear you tell your story before knowing you're going to plant or pastor and to see how Christ has captured your heart is, is so it's, it's special, man. And so thanks, thanks for sharing that. Well, I, and, and I another little wish. evidence, like one of the things when I went, Oh wow, I think this is real is I went ahead and I started the Bible study. Yeah, that's cool. So the friend who challenged me and I thought, I'd never do that. After I had this moment of coming to faith, I was like, I'm going to start that Bible study. And I think it was one of those moments where I went like, Oh wow, I meant it. <laughs> that's it. You know? And I, yeah. I think some of following Jesus is having those like, Oh wow, I really do love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. you know, cause there's a, all kinds of evidence that you don't, you know, there's all kinds of sin and self-sufficiency and folly. And, but when you have those moments, where you're like, no, I really do. I yeah. really love them. Yeah. That's God's grace. You know, what would make this podcast way better. What's that? Is if I said right now, JR is calling in. Right <laughs> <now."> <laughs> you know, that what would I mean? be amazing. That would make this podcast so much better. Do you have that kind of, no, leverage? I don't, but I just wish, I wish Gosh. like this would make the podcast like, epic viral if i had him call in right at this moment that would be incredible jr if you're listening can you please call in right now yeah so when did molly the relationship there because i know you also mm-hmm. have a real uh, affection for your wife and your family mm-hmm. um before we get into the church planning stuff when did you meet molly how many kids you have uh give us the family story also yeah so my mom would my mom tells me now that from a pretty young age, I told her I really want to be a dad. Mm. And I do love being a dad. I think it's it's really great. And so, yeah, I've been married to Molly for 20 years. We have four kids. Abby's our oldest. She's about to be a junior in high school. Then Caitlin is about to be in eighth grade. Mary is going to be a third grader. And Hank is going to be in kindergarten. So three girls and a boy, all spread out. You know, kind of a fun, kind of a fun thing. And, uh, Aaron, you and I have daughters, actually, that have the That's, same birthday. It's exact same birthday. We found this crazy. out at a coffee shop together. <laughs> yeah, we both had a meeting <laughs> yes. on July 11th, yes. and uh, we both thought, you know what? Let's bring our daughters and then go to lunch. Yes, And exactly. then we show up, and they're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? It's my birthday. It's my birthday. What? You know, so that's kind of wild. Tell anyway, me, so, Tell yeah. me your favorite thing about your wife 
your favorite thing about each one of your kids. You can only give Gosh. me one though. This is this is going to be a test for you. Wow! And then I still have to answer your other question. Okay. Um, I think. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah. How do you say a favorite thing about only one? You only get one. You're good at it because you can write something, but just to vocalize <laughs> it on the top. Yeah. Um, I think for Molly, it's um, she is such a steady presence, mm-hmm. and true. Um, and I just find a lot of just comfort from her presence. Um, for Abby. Um, we've uh, prayed for a long time since she was little that she'd be comfortable in her own skin, and she just is. That's she's that's just amazing. Uh, kind of electric in every room she goes into, and that's pretty cool. Um, I think for Caitlin, it's uh, she just has a very tender heart. Um, she notices things. You know, she she will joke like it stinks after I've had kind of a rough day. We'll be there, you know, sitting around the dinner table, and she'll say dad are you okay oh, and wow. she can just read it she can you know? read you yeah. she'll say do you need me to be your therapist right now <laughs> i'll say i might need a therapist might need but it ain't you <laughs> and it's not right now <laughs> but i love that she notices i love that she notices she that. does yeah um for mary um you know we for a long time we've called uh, her madam president mm. because she just kind of walks into every room and sort of feels super confident and i just uh i love the presence that she yeah. is that's like um, not and some of this is being seven, you yeah, know, sure. but she's not overly worried about what everyone thinks about her. And I hope that that continues. Um, and then for Hank, it's, uh, he's just sheer joy yeah, I he mean, is. in the, his eyes light up, his smile lights up watching other people kind of find delight in his delight is really fun. So those are some things. Those are perfect. Yeah. Now, how did you meet Molly? Give us that. Yeah, so Molly and I met at the University of Illinois. She was a swimmer. I was a baseball player. She was a year ahead of me in school. So when I got there, she was starting her sophomore year. And we had met originally, at, there was a Campus Crusade for Christ uh, ministry at Illinois. There was a bunch of campus ministries. But I had friends that, those friends that had gone off to college, most of them had gotten involved with crew. And so they said, uh, so I knew about it. So I just kind of found my way to Campus Crusade because I was a Christian and knew I want to, you know, have some sort of ministry experience. And so I rode my bike down there and I remember being kind of the awkward freshman on the back wall, kind of no one to talk to, don't know anybody. And I was from Colorado going to university of Illinois. So I like, I didn't know anybody. Oh wow! I didn't, you know, I felt very alone and this senior guy came up and, you know, introduced himself and, you know, just was hospitable. And at the end of the night, uh, at the end of the, the kind of service, he came up again and started talking to me more and, found out that I was an athlete and said, oh, there's some other athletes that are here. And he took me over and introduced me to a group of folks, including a few swimmers, and Molly was one of those. So that's how we first met was at Crusade. Um, I actually ended up proposing to her at that same building. But oh, that's wow. A different story. But we really got to know each other. We lived in the same dorm, uh, different floors, but same dorm building. So we'd see each other a lot at meals. And then just the lives of student athletes overlap a lot. You got to go to study hall. You got to do different stuff. So we would just see each other a lot. And then there was an athletes in action ministry that started and we were both, and it was a lot smaller. Crusade was a couple hundred people, you know, athletes in action was a few dozen. And so from the beginning, as I actually, that first night I met her, I said, Hey, I'd really like to be involved with this whenever it gets going for the semester, you know, could you let me know? And so we just sort of, uh, yeah, initially, uh, just were really kind of close friends getting to know each other through sports and ministry and college and whatever. And I had dated a girl in high school 
for a couple of years. And I kind of went to college going like, I don't really want to do right, that. I, right. I want to like, you know, I want to be all in for the Lord. Um, and so what that allowed me to do in a way was that whole first year for the most part was just us getting to know each other. No flirting, no gaming, you know, like yeah. I wasn't trying to work anybody, you know, yeah. and it, um, and some of that was just the uniqueness of that moment. So we just really got to know each other. And I remember actually at Christmas break, um, one of my other buddies saying, Hey, you keep talking about this Molly girl a lot. <laughs> like you keep Molly, Molly, Molly. Are you going to ask her out? Yeah. And I, and it, this is kind of the state of mind I was in. I was like, that hadn't occurred to me. <laughs> like I was so kind of committed in my yeah, mind to like, yeah. I'm not going to date anybody. And so we went on a date and, you know, over the next of course, that next semester, uh, started dating and then, uh, got married during my senior year, kind of halfway through the year. And then, um, this summer, uh, is 20 years since we moved to Arizona. 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were just thinking about it the other day going like, years. wow, this is, which is funny because we had our 20th anniversary in December. But um, there's something about, like, the moving to Arizona felt like, okay, we're really kicking yeah. off our yeah. adult life together. Yeah, we so. Well, I love you and your family. I also love your heart for your kids and your wife. And so that's a, a huge joy to hear you talk about it. So now we're going to kind of move into how you connected to planting. What was, and you'll tell this story, Second Mile That Became Redemption mm -hmm. Gateway. Tell us that story, and then I want to kind of press into some of the gifts on how that worked. But give us the story of Redemption Gateway. Yeah, so as I was going through college, I mean, one of the shifts that happened was I went into college thinking, I want to play pro ball. Mm -hmm. That was it. Um, over the course of college, through the ministries at school, um, through living, actually, there was an Assemblies of God uh, pastoral family that i lived with for two summers assemblies of god in, uh, assemblies in alaska god. <laughs> yeah and they were they were amazing and really honestly it was kind of the first relationship that i'd actually had with a pastor wow. up close you know i and again i grew up in a presbyterian church where they wore robes and it just felt very distant and sure. so like when my aunt goes are you gonna be a minister i'm like going that's like asking me if you're gonna be a astronaut i don't right. like i don't know like i have more of a vision for what that could be you know right. so um it was that, and then um, Tyler Johnson was, you know, kind of introducing me to some uh, stuff written by John Piper, and then I started listening to some of his tapes. Wow. He had tapes and CDs of uh, the Bethlehem Conference for Pastors. Yeah. And so I started kind of beginning to, and I, being an athlete and being a Christian, I had lots of opportunities to come share my testimony sure. or come do something. And so through that, I, I kind of started to go, oh, maybe I'd like to do this. Yeah. Maybe I'd like to do more, like, vocational pastoral ministry but i also didn't think you just could decide to do that yeah. like it's not like being an accountant where as long as you have the academic you know training yeah. you yeah. can do it yeah. um <laughs> like you can go to seminary and not be qualified to be a pastor because it's character and it's other people have to recognize and whatever so as i realized that baseball was not the direction i was going to uh, continue to go down it was like okay what are we going to do and so that's the time that that Tyler had finished up at ASU and he was leading the college ministry at East Valley Bible church and said, Hey, why don't you guys just come out here? This is a church that's committed to training people and they want to plant churches. And, uh, Molly had been part of a church plant when she, her family, when she was in high school, her family was part of a church plant. And so I was kind of, I mean, this was before church planting was the rage, the rage, but it was interesting enough to me yeah. 
to go, huh, that's interesting. So he said, why don't you come out and just kind of volunteer? And so we did. We got jobs doing other stuff and then just helped out with the ministry. And after a couple of years, uh, the church had developed this kind of uh, training center. Uh, at the time, it was just called the training center, not to be confused with the missional training center, right, which right. is a different thing that came along later. But but it was kind of trying to just train leaders. And so um, the first year of that was Bible and theology. The second year of that was kind of ministry skills, preaching, teaching, counseling, discipling, weddings, funerals, kind of that sort of stuff. The third year of it was like leadership and philosophy of ministry, where you kind of looked at every area of a church and thought, if you could do whatever you wanted to do based on the convictions and philosophy and you know passions you have, what would you do and why? Wow. And so in a sense, through that process, you're kind of like creating a church that you, I mean, you're not doing any of the relational work of creating a church, but like at least creating the idea of a church. Yeah. And so it was through that process that more and more I started to go, gosh, I think I'd like to do this. <laughs> like, it's awesome. Like, uh, this sounds kind of fun. And, and so, you know, by that point I had been hired on, on staff there was le- leading some men's ministry and small group stuff and had enough people kind of going, Hey, when do you, do you think you'll ever plant a church? Mm-hmm. Do you think, and I, uh, you know, I, we moved out here thinking we'd like to be part of one. And, um, at some point along the way, I just kind of like went, well, if, if something's, if one's going to happen, someone's got to start it. it. So yeah, why not me? And I, and I remember being asked in those assessments that we talked about, like, do you think it would be a sin for you to not plan a church? Yeah. And I was like, what a dumb question. Like, <laughs> like that assumes the only thing you could do is this. And right. I, and I get, they're trying to ask like, how called do you feel? Is this just a, you know, fly by night idea? Or are you committed to this? But I just thought, you know, I think we need a lot more good churches. Yeah. I, I guess I'm dumb enough to think I could start one. So I'd like to do that. So, yeah, so I kind of got linked up with Acts 29 because I didn't want my only connection to be just East Valley Bible Church. And um, the the big process in the church planning was really figuring out where. Yeah. You know, because Molly's from Toledo, Ohio. She's the oldest of five, very close to her family. I'm from Denver and, um, you know, love Colorado. And, and then we had all this connection here. So a, a lot of the church planning journey for us was trying to figure out where do we feel like God's yeah. actually called us. and. Yeah. Um, ended up feeling like we wanted to stay in Arizona. And um, yeah, so in 2008, uh, we started putting plans together to plant Second Mile Church. I knew I wanted to do it kind of in connection with East Valley Bible. I I don't, I didn't think of myself as kind of, they call it a parachute planter, yeah. where someone will kind of parachute into a place where they don't really have any connections. And I think to do that well, you've got to be super dynamic and sure. super evangelistic. Sure. Um, and I, at the time, I don't know how dynamic I am, I'm I'm more now than I was sure. then, yeah. but I wasn't like a, hey, just drop him anywhere and hundreds of people are going to come to Christ gotcha. kind of a person. Um, I felt like I could mobilize Christians to reach non-Christians. That's good. That's good. And so, um, yeah, so we kind of put together a proposal. You know, at the time, East Valley Bible Church was thousands of people. And so our initial core group for Second Mile Church was all basically from East Valley. Yep. They were all people who lived in Queen Creek or Santan Valley, were driving a long way to get to uh, Gilbert. What's the distance and, on that? Um, I mean, depending on where people are exactly, it's anywhere between 25 and 45 minutes. So it's a haul. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, a haul. I mean, people were driving far. And it was interesting, on the court team, we had people who lived on the same street, went to East Valley Bible Church, didn't know each other until our core group. Wow. So, I mean, that was yeah. the kind of thing. It was like they were happy to make that drive, but as they would try to reach friends and say, hey, you should come to church with me, these friends would go, no, yeah, that like you're going to pay for my gas. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, so we started with a team of about 50 people, 50 adults, um, which is really a lot That's for incredible. a church plant. Yeah. Um, and it was a great group of folks. And um, I had a blast kind of leading that initial team. And, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I could talk about all that stuff for, for days and days. But it, was, it went really well. We had kind of a strong launch, um, great relationship and support with East Valley. It was very cool because it was like, we, they celebrated us. They sent us out. They supported us significantly, but it was all no strings attached and no trying to control it from a distance. Yeah. And so that made it where when the idea of redemption happening, where Praxis and East Valley Bible were going to come together and they said, hey, what would you guys think about joining in with this? There was definitely some part of me that was like, ah, are we moving back in with our parents? Right, right. Um, but for the most part, it was like, well, this relationship has been so good and what we had as our vision for second miles, we wanted to be a multi-congregational church just in the Southeast Valley. And so we were thinking that that's was going to be our future. And redemption was kind of a chance to go, well, what if instead of in the Southeast Valley, it was just through all of Arizona. So, um, yeah. And we just, in May, uh, kind of passed our 11th anniversary, I guess, since joining redemption. So that's incredible. Tell me, talk about gateway like you did with your, your family. I know each <laughs> church is a little bit unique. Like they all have their own strands of the beauty of God that gets displayed. Um, and I know. Well, in each phase. Yeah. Like it's interesting because, I mean, over 13 years now, I, it's like, like I was thinking about that uh, 11, okay, 11 years ago, we became redemption. It's like, were well, we the same church? Mm. Well, yes and no. Yeah. Right. Very like true. on one hand, yeah. Like, so much of what we were about and the culture and the ethos and the vibe and the convictions are the same. On the other hand, it's like, well, there's a lot of people that aren't part of it, that were part of it then that have moved away or that are at other churches or that are just, you know, not in the mix. I mean, it, it's way bigger. There's way more new. So yeah. it's like, so it's an interesting like way to, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, Hey, tell me about your family. What have you loved about your family? Well, there's some, steady things that I've loved about my family the yeah, whole way. Sure. But there's things that are different now that I have four kids than when we had one or two or group something. dynamic yeah. is different. Yeah, for sure. As, as you've watched it and, and led through all of this, what's some of the things that you've seen in gateway that have been here, uh, that you've appreciated? How, how do you see gateway? And, you know, even as it's grown, what are some of the, the things you've appreciated about what they bring to the body of Christ? Yeah, well, I feel like we were we were birthed in generosity, mm. and um, only recently actually did someone kind of help me see like that's actually like a really core part of Redemption Gateway. I agree. Um, you know, and the before we planted East Valley had this baby shower for us, where this is what we did for Redemption North Mountain, uh, which we got to plant a couple years ago. You know, where we, I mean, but but that I mean, in one day they took a one time offering. Uh, for us, that was like $60,000. That's incredible. You know, which is nuts. I yeah. mean, people spend lots of time raising that much money. Um, it was a little bit like, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> what are we going to do with sure. this? Um, and that generosity, not just of money, but of spirit, I mm. think has kind of continued through the church. Um, True. People are just very generous with themselves, mm. with their affection, with their presence. They're very generous with money. They're very generous with time. Um, and I think there's a, there's a bit of an abundance mindset that almost certainly to some degree comes out of 
being in a more fluent place, but it also is a mentality. Absolutely. Because there's plenty of affluent people all over my neighborhood. That who are not that way. Live with a scarcity thing. Yes. And are really afraid and are really, you know. And so I think that's been a big piece of it. Um, I think there's been a sense that we're always a family expecting guests. Mm-hmm. You know, we've said from the very beginning, Dude, that's really good. you know, the sermon begins in the parking lot. Like people's experience of the church is going to start as soon as they shut the door of their car and begin walking towards things, you know. So that sense of, um, you know, we talk about kind of the ministry of the pew. We are just funny. We've never had pews, but <laughs> that idea that, you know, you don't have to have a lanyard on to welcome somebody, yes. to love somebody. And, you know, and some of my favorite stories are when I meet people and say, hey, how did you end up here? And they say, oh, well, we found it online or someone invited us or but, but we met so-and-so. And That's right. That kind of thing tends to happen uh, pretty quickly in a lot of cases. Even now, as the church is larger, I feel like I still hear that story a lot. Um, so that's been great. And then I think, and some of this is just particularly the stage of life of that kind of early core of the church, but there's just a huge affection for the next generation. Yes, um, very true. You know, lots of energy and resources and staff and time and prayer put into students and kids and Part of that's demographic. Um, part of that's definitely like that's the age of my family, and so that tends to happen is that a church somewhat replicates the age and stage of its pastor. Sure, um, but I think that um, that heart to kind of look beyond and go, okay, we're not just trying to ch- create a church we like, but a church that actually our kids would want to invite their friends to. So, so good. I think those are some of my favorite things. I. I from the experience with you and your team, and then also Gateway, I would add, there's a strong leadership culture here. Like, mm. in the sense of it's not just leadership in, like, a driven kind of what you would think of a church your size, you know, vision-type way out there. But there is a a real sense of, like, when you walk in and you're a part of this, not only are you greeted and loved and there's this hospitality it, there is a, a real sense of we're, we're, we know the next step, you know, we're, we're going to take a clear next step. And I think you and your team have developed and you taught a, a little bit of a class on the, the third, the fourth wheel of planting a church is leadership development. And I can see that all over the place. Like pe- leaders at gateway are constantly being developed. Well, it's the, interesting though. Cause I, I, I appreciate that. I think that I think that's true. I would agree with you about it. I, it's funny. I see it not as like we need to be great leaders, sure. But it to me is this extension of generosity and hospitality because mm-hmm. it's actually hospitable to think like a leader. Yeah. Right. Like if someone's going to come into an environment that is inherently scary, like yes. a church. Yes. Either because they don't go to church, they're not a church person, or they aren't used to this one. Making them totally fend for themselves through that experience That's true. is inhospitable. Yeah. Right. And so there's an element of going like, okay, well th- that intentionality is less about going, I need to have good leader points. Sure. And it's more going like, well, what are people going to experience? How do we love them well through it? How do we make things clear so that nobody feel, you know, if you feel confused, if you feel stupid, sure. if you feel like, ah, no, no, ah, that's a bad experience, you know? It so is. it's like, and I think that kind of a, uh, um, I think that's some of honestly where it started was thinking through in the starting of the church. Well, how do we love the people well who are going to come here? We've got to be deliberate about some stuff, and and I think some of that has cascaded hopefully through the rest, the rest. of the culture. Well, you and know, it continues. You, you, can, you can go too far, sure. You know, 
But it also continues like the, it doesn't just stop with if someone new comes there, there is, if somebody wants to take a next step into some discipleship or Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to become a leader, it's almost like there's, if you're wanting to take that next step, it's not going to be hard to find here, you know? And that's, I'm not saying like, you got to go this far, but it does feel like if people want to grow, yeah. There's there's going to be opportunity and that why well, I just think like, I mean again some of the so much of stuff like we talk about redemption is like each congregation would look like redemption would look in that community with that leadership yeah. that stage of life. A lot of it is like kind of just me like it I, is. I can't tell you how many times I get an email from my kid's school sure or from a sports team that my kids are on or from something and it's like okay but what time is it at? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah. Okay but where like yeah. like just think through the next three questions exactly. that someone's going to read when they see this, yep. you know, and it's like the number of people who don't do that is like <laughs> mind boggling to me. It's true. So like to me, again, a lot of it's just going like, well, what are the, okay, if someone wants to be a leader, what are they going to ask? What are they going to Well, let's do? think through how they would not have to ask that. We'll just tell them, you know, yeah. and, um, and I real, and I've had to realize that's intuitive to me. It is. That's not intuitive yeah. to everybody. And that doesn't make me better. Like no, in a moral sure. sense, but it, but it does. It's how God's wired you. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I think of when you told all of your stories, there's some like common threads. There's like a person that God really used to either confront you or kind of go, Hey dude, are you going to marry this girl? Are you going to move <laughs> here? Are you going to plant this church? Yeah. There's somebody that kind of had to be used to kind of turn the light on for mm-hmm. you, or at least to call out what's already in you, however you want to, you know, word yeah, whatever is singing. And then there's also a, a real sense of self-awareness for you that is always like you're able to kind of go, not only was that true, it made me angry and here's how I responded. But the more I thought about it, I saw it and, and I, and I, and I want to do that, that, that is constantly there, but also just a, a real um, affection for, people like there, like there's always people w- woven through that and i think that plays into how you lead over Thanks. and over and over again but i also think for that case you do that for a lot of other people i think when i heard those stories i'm thinking man there's so many times that you're kind of going hey have you ever thought about this or <laughs> have you ever you know hey, like, aaron here's an email it, it, some it, things that it, could help Alhambra be better exactly <laughs> and and you, you'd say it in a way where it's not confrontive but it, it, it has there's things it's confronting sure but i i just feel like there is some some real continued giftedness in that that uh that redemption has benefited from not only gateway but my own life and all of us um when i when i if i was to ask okay what kind of church you know when you're thinking about the kind of local church because you have always been i a strong local church. If we don't have a strong gateway, yeah. I don't think we have a strong redemption, a strong local church. When you're thinking of the type of church that you're trying to see happen here at, in the, you know, gateway mm-hmm. Queen Creek, I don't know how far out this goes. Yeah. What, what are you hoping to see kind of as you step into these next phases for gateway? Well, it's interesting. Cause when people, when I'd meet with people who are interested about in being a part of it from the beginning, they would ask, well, what can we do? Mm. And I would always say the same thing, which was, I'd say, you know, there's a lot we can do. Like you're going to need, we're going to need people to set stuff up and tear down and do kids and blah, blah, blah. But here's, here's really what I want you to do is help us create a culture 
that 10 years from now will honor God and that we'll be able to go, oh, this is fun. That's good. Like help us create that culture, which made it really weird when we got to t- 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Because when I said that in the early days, I could have said 100 years, you know, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's how far away it yeah. felt. Yeah, yeah. And to go at 10 years and go, well, what do I think? Wow. Like, which I hadn't planned on, you know, and it was like, no, I like I like this. And yeah. so to me, that's kind of the, that's some of the question you're asking is like, there's like what you write on a website for a church and then there's just how it feels. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's why like, like there's aspects of like, I think about for you, like I love going to Alhambra and there's stuff that you guys do that I wouldn't do here. Sure. I don't think fit here. Yeah. But I, I love it cause I love the culture there. Yeah. Cause to yeah. me it's the, the culture is that embodied experience yes. of yes. your values and your habits and your convictions. Um, it's the vibe, it's the feel, it's the sense, you know, and you, ex- you feel it and experience it more than you articulate it sometimes. Um, and so to me, that's, so if I were to kind of describe that, that, that's what I love about in redemption, you know, before it was ever one of the official values, we would say like, here's part of that culture. We want to take God seriously and not ourselves. Yeah. And so, um, like, I want to be a part of a church that preaches the Bible and yes. holds up Jesus and says, like, listen, you got no hope without him. Come on. And he's he's the light, he's the hope, he's the answer, he's everything. Unapologetically, don't need to, you know, try to put makeup on him to make him look better, but just here's who he is, yeah. and he's spectacular. Um, and so that kind of unapologetic affection for God um, but what I think that's supposed to do is make you not take yourself that seriously. Cause yes. it's like, well then I'm not that big of a deal. Right. Um, so I think that's a piece. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I just, I want a church to feel um, like we exist for others. That's, you know, word. I like that. You know, it's not just like, well, my experience is good. Yeah. Well, great. Like yeah. I'm happy for that. But like, I mean, I just like, I, I saw just the other day, um, they put out the census bureau put out the list of fastest growing cities in the u.s yeah from 2020 to 2021 the top two were in texas and uh the third one was queen creek oh wow so queen creek 10 and a half percent growth from 2020 to 2021 and it totally feels like that and um as all those people come i just look at it and go like our our like uh uh, what's the word our competition is not Sun Valley yeah. and it's not Mission yeah. and it's not Central That's and it's right. not CCV and it's not Amadeo. It's it's like brunch. That's right. And the Cardinals. That's right. And youth soccer and a million other things. And so I just think like I, I always want to be a part of a church where we're not just thinking about how this made us feel, but we're going like, what would I you know, I, I went to a church in college that I loved. I mean, I just got so much, so much out of it. Incredible Bible teacher. Um, but I never invited a friend. Yeah. I never invited one of my teammates because I just knew they'll never get this. Yeah. They'll never understand it. Yeah. Like, I'll have to explain this. This won't make sense. And um, so I think somewhere in there is just going like, I want a church where we're constantly inviting people and constantly going like, oh, you know who needs to hear this? Um, so I think those are some things. I love that. Okay, I'm gonna make the last question. I know we're running out of time, but I'm gonna okay. make the last question. There's, as your leadership has grown and the the influence of Gateway has grown, 
because the, the ripple effects of the type of church you've described are there. You're generous, you're hospitable, there's a leadership there, your gifts have influenced that, there's development that's taking place. You've also used those gifts broader than redemption, but also it's spilt over into taking on um, leadership mm-hmm. uh, to walk through some things in redemption and also to provide executive leadership that we get to sit on a team together. Um, as you think about why would you and Gateway um, continue to say we're better together and we're going to stay in in kind of a redemption, mm. you know, broader community? Because I know for a fact redemption needs a, a healthy, good Luke and, and a healthy, good gateway. Um, but I think when we come to moments like we have, there's also a, all of us going, why are we doing this better together thing? You mm-hmm. know, multiple congregations, very different. There's a beauty there um, that is displayed that I think people can see Jesus being put on display. There's a lot of togetherness that's happening. But then it hits hard times and there's turbulence and sure. there's struggles. And you've been at the epicenter of experiencing those. And all of us have felt the pain uh, of those kinds of things. As you've walked through this and you see redemption, you know, as it mm-hmm. grows, what's your continued like vision for why we need to stay together? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think about it on a few, I guess, a few dynamics. One is, is there's practical things, right? Yeah. There's, um, it's nice to be able to have insurance that is, you know, bought with an organization that's got hundreds of people versus, you know, a dozen people or something like that. So there's things like that. There's, you know, some of the practical things. What's interesting there is we've actually kind of gone from when we started, we were getting way more than we were contributing on that. We're now at a point where we're probably giving way more. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could probably have a similar level of true central ops kinds of experiences for what we pay into true to central ops. If we just hired that ourselves, it, it could, you mean gateway. Yeah. Gateway. Yeah, it can be sure. similar. Yeah. I so, um, so that's like, eh, I don't know if that's a, a huge benefit anymore. Yeah. Um, but that's when I start to go like, well, gosh, if, if all it is, is about practical benefits, mm-hmm. I just don't know that you're operating in any kind of kingdom mentality. That's good. You know, if Jesus is serious that it's more blessed to give than receive, like if that actually is true, which I think it is, then that means something. Yeah. So, I mean, there's blessing that comes from being able to contribute and being able to, um, you know, step in and help give some leadership and give some encouragement and, you know, relieve, a, you know, it's not like we've got multiple good preachers at Gateway. Sure. And so um, for some of us to be able to go preach at other places where there's one pastor or something right. like that, like that's, that's a great thing. But then there's lots of other things we do benefit from. Like I think there's a, um, when you're in a more affluent community like we're in, you, you can just inherently become real insulated. Everyone's yeah. dealing with their own versions of insulations and echo chambers True. and whatever. But the forced, uh, kind of connection and collaboration with people who are in different contexts and thinking different from us um, has helped us really, you know, helped us really be better. I mean, I, I think for an example, like uh, there are still, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, of non-white people in our congregation at Gateway who I think would honestly go like, yeah, they're trying, but yeah, I don't know how great they're doing it sure. at really taking my interest to heart and, you know, but however we're doing, 
it would be worse if we weren't part of redemption, yeah, you yeah, know, sure. for an example. Um, and then I think about just like, there's other, uh, just relational gifts, right? Yeah. If like, if the body is not just the gifts of money or the gifts of buildings, but the gifts of people, yes. um, you know, there's the relational gifts, there's the creativity and the word pictures of a Josh Butler. There's yeah. the emphasis on family and covenant from someone like you. There's, um, you know, I think about someone like, uh, Frank Switzer, who yes. has just all this like wealth of communication, like he's forgotten more about yeah, communication exactly. than I've yep. learned. Um, and, and to our detriment, sometimes we've forgotten to go, Hey Frank, what do you think about sure. that? You know? Um, but I think those gifts are, are a big part of it. And then I think to some degree, um, it's just, it's a picture of reality. That's good. Like we are there is one body. There is one bride. I love that. Jesus isn't a polygamist. Yes. And so this is what's so hard, right? Like when when some church does an unbelievable thing to help the homeless or to tutor kids or whatever, we're like, yeah, look at us go, right? And then when another church is doing something despicable or evil That's or right. wicked, yeah. we, we go, ah. yeah. well, we're not them. Well, we kind of are. Yes, you know, good, man. and so, of of course, we're we're not one organizational entity with every genuinely Christian church sure. in the valley. But I feel like what redemption is doing is giving some visible picture to what is a reality, um, and I think that that in itself is beautiful, not for what it does, but for what it is. I love and that. And so, um, that's some of how that's some of how I think about it. All right, well, our time is up, so I'm going to end it with this. First of all, Luke, I want to say thank you for your leadership in Redemption Church for these last years, specifically as we've been kind of navigating through some seasons that we've needed some stability, and you brought and have brought stability and health everywhere you go. That's a, a continued pattern. You're able to get in assess where things are at and figure out what we need to do. And without you, I don't, I, I'm no doubt we wouldn't be as healthy as we are today. So I'm very, mm -hmm. very thankful for that. Thanks. I'm thankful for gateway. I'm thankful for the continued generosity that I've experienced for, uh, the years that I've been a part of that, the way they've supported Alhambra, my, my family and I very thankful. You are a generous church. I, I know for, a fact that we've experienced that in our own lives. So I'm thankful for that type of church. I'm thankful for your heart for, for the Lord and your love for him. Like that permeates everything you do for your wife, for your family and the way that that impacts. I'm thankful for your development of leaders. And I pray that more and more as people hear your story and your hospitality, I think that's why you, you connected it, but I think that's why your hospitality is so open to going, Hey man, you're, you're a leader. I, let me help you, you know? And you've done that with so many people, um, that you're naturally gifted to be able to go, Hey, come on here. And when you shared that story of the, the turtle on the fence post that got you emotional, I think there's, there can be a sense of loneliness in that sense of like sitting on a <laughs> fence, fence post in the middle of a desert that you've, kind of gone hey i've felt that way i don't want others to feel that way mm. in a sense of going man i i want to i want to be a voice to encourage you've done that over and over again and the reason why i wanted you to do one of these podcasts is because your story and your leadership matters you've done an incredible job 
at highlighting in Inside Redemption other people's stories, other people's gifts, other people's lives, and uh, yours matters. And it's it's a huge part of who we are as Redemption. So thank you for all that you've done all these years, man. Thanks, brother. It's a joy. And so I didn't do as good as you on this podcast, oh, no, but you, you know what? You I, did phenomenal. Hey, if you ever want to take this over, I <laughs> think you got a real future. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, radio voice, maybe? For sure. All right. Well, this is the close. <laughs> this is the close of Inside Redemption. At least I didn't call it Redemption Live this time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let Thanks, me pray man. for you and, Rede- and Gateway, and we'll, we'll end it with that. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for Luke, for the work that you've done in him and through him, and uh, how many JRs you've brought into his life and how you brought him to Arizona and how you used him to plant this church out here and, and bring hospitality and generosity and a, and a, and a culture of leadership and all the ways that, are, that this church has just blessed and the ways you've used him in redemption. Father, we're asking that you would take his story, his gifts, his life, his family, his community to continue to impact even beyond Queen Creek into Arizona and beyond. Father, thank you for how you're working in this church. And we thank you for redemption and the life we get to do together. And we lay this all before you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope that worked, bro.